Hi, and welcome to MentorCore. If you're new here, we're a community focused on helping people in the security, risk, and compliance fields grow their careers and leadership skills through mentoring. You can find more information about MentorCore at mentorcore.biz. I'm Dan Ayala, along with Lisa Beth Lentini Walker. Now, on to this week's discussion. Welcome to another uh, wonderful MentorCore podcast moment here. Um, we, I, we, we are so excited today. So excited today. We have Ryan Rene Rosado, who is an enthusiastic cybersecurity professional who's been in this space for over a decade. She's got <laughs> so many different things that she does. She's uh, involved in leadership in the cybersecurity space, particularly encouraging women in cyber. Um, and she has had a career that is very multifaceted, but I don't want to steal your thunder. So Ryan, why don't you welcome to the show. Um, and let me ask you, tell us a little bit about what your story is and what you want people to know. Okay. Well, yes, happy to be here. Thank you. Um, all right. Well, as you said, I've been doing cybersecurity 10 years. Um, but I think a lot of my story, kind of my cybersecurity story starts right in the foundation of who I am. So I'm born and raised uh, on Long Island in New York. Um, got to travel a little bit as a kid with um, my grandmother, which was which was not vacation, which was not like, oh, let's go to a spa in the Bahamas. No, it was like, we're going to go to the Holocaust museums in Lithuania, learn about family history. We're going to learn about art and Picasso and El Salvador, or Salvador Dali, excuse me, in Spain. Um, also had my father living in Puerto Rico. Um, so it was just all probably more than I really understood what was happening at the time. Um, and um, Grew up, kind of just had this, this, the light at the end of the tunnel for what was a little bit of a rough childhood between my parents being split up, having some bullying at school was, I just felt like I was planning my life. I don't know how else to explain it. And I don't know anyone else I've ever met as a kid who had that, but I, my mother would tell you that I started looking at colleges and trying to figure out who and what I wanted to be before I was probably out of middle school. And I will just say that nothing I've planned has exactly gone as planned or the big things, but I'm also thankful because it gave me a direction, right? At least I was moving forward with my life. So um, in high school, I met a recruiter uh, actually from the Marines who opened my eyes to potentially consider the military. I ended up meeting another recruiter a year later and I ended up going to the Air Force. Um, and there, that is when um, I ended up getting into intelligence. And intelligence, you have all different avenues, but I got into cybersecurity intelligence and threat intelligence. And I did that for four years. Um, that in a way, I would say, I didn't just hit the ground running. I think I like, I'm not even sure how to say this. I just saw it really tough, really fast. Um, I was told very quickly, I couldn't be a woman in cyber, um, that I could do public health or public, um, relations. Um, and at the time I was even like, that's cool. I just want to be in the air force. Um, but I had already been trained for, or was in training and the air force was like, we're going to get, you know, make our investment on you. Which I'm really lucky that that happened. Um, and I guess I started to realize actually, I'm not too bad at this. So, you know, I'm, I'm not going to let the, the handful of people who told me I couldn't do it. I'm not gonna say win, but I wasn't, you know, I was going to stick to my, stick to my guns on this. And when I got out, I got to go and work for Ernst & Young, which I 
now look back and think I could have been happy and worked there for the rest of my life. But after three years and after the great opportunities that they gave me that to this day, I'm still, I look back on and it was such a great place to, to learn and almost, I don't want to say restart my career, but like really just that's where I think I took everything I learned about cyber in the air force and from other networking opportunities I had, I was finally able to like, I don't know, it was, it was like a car finally getting out of the testing or getting out of the residential area. And all of a sudden you get the highway and you get to go and, you know, you might, you know, go a little bit and you're like, okay, like I gotta, I gotta, I gotta drive. I'm going to, I guess, you know, drive. Like, I don't know. That was probably not the greatest analogy. The point is it was amazing, but I felt that after three years, I kind of, they were having some corporate changes. I started realizing where I really wanted to go was a little bit more into the cloud space. And I started just kind of looking more. Um, probably the first time I ever was like, I really don't know what I'm doing or where I'm going. I'm just, I know that I really like cyber. I want to stay in cyber. And not only do I want to stay in cyber, like I want to be, you know, closer to the front lines of it. I want to be on the more innovative side. I definitely want to be on the people side. Um, you know, I, I've also recently started kind of saying, you know, I think at first when people kind of told me it was a male dominated career field, they kind of warned me about it. Like, oh, like it's a bad thing. And now I'm kind of like, this is great. Like I can, that's okay. Like we're going to embrace everything about this. We're going to embrace that there may be men that outnumber the women. That doesn't make them bad. And some of my mentors that are men have been great and I'm thankful for them. And that's cool. And then some of the mentors I've had have been women. And some of the mentors I've had have had nothing to do with cybersecurity. So at the end of the day, I'm just like, it is what it is. So um, I'm now at Optiv and I am a demand manager. And uh, I don't know what the future holds, but I know I'm more excited now than ever because I I think I have really started to shed that imposter syndrome and I've given myself grace to know I'm going to probably make a mistake. Um, failure is going to happen, but if I do it right, it's probably going to be better in the long run and, and lead to a bigger success. Well, so that's funny. a little bit about me. It's funny you mentioned um, imposter syndrome, because even before you said that, I, the, the question I was going to ask you was around whether or not time in the military, because I, 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 I've spent a lot of time, I have a lot of friends that have come out of the military and into security, and it's not always an easy transition either for be, to mm -hmm. be accepted out of the military into, mm -hmm. into private industry or to make the change. You know, there's some changes in the lifestyle, but one of the things that keeps coming up is um, imposter syndrome is, I guess, how does imposter syndrome play in considering you had very strong technical origins uh, in your time in the military and things, that, and, and the, I guess the strength of the mission, some have posited that that strength of mission leads to perhaps a, a better ability to cope with imposter syndrome later on. Do you see any correlation there or any benefit that, that you've been able to receive from that? Well, I definitely think that although I had a hard time with certain areas of the military, that I am also thankful for that. And I do keep in touch with amazing mentors I had. And um, it, I recommend it, if possible, everyone serve in the military. Like, I just think that they are getting better. The little boys club is kind of running out, um, you know, women in the military being more and more accepted. So I just want to make that clear, right? And I that recommend said, everybody I hire somebody that came out of the military. It's an amazing experience. And if you haven't, you really need to. 
We should come back to that in a second, because that is something I'm very passionate about. Um, but I do want to answer your question, which yeah. so in the military, and, and this is something, again, now I realize that I've had years of experience. I've started to, you know, I've managed other people. I've managed other teams. Um, and something that was like really, I don't even know, funny is that when I was in the military, I had a chief who had been in basically my whole entire life. And I got out after four years. And then when she got out, she came to me for, because I'd been out about a year or so. And I kind of, the mentorship switched. I was the mentor, the transition oh. mentor. I was the resume person because I had really also, I think, embraced and devoted myself. I wasn't just going to transition enough to like, just to get my next paycheck. That's not a bad thing, but I really was like, I'm going to embrace all this. Like, this is a whole new career. And I, everything I do, I really do jump. I jump in. I don't just get my feet wet. I want to know all about it. Even if it's something I can help with someone else later. Um, not just, not just for me. And so that was a really cool part of it, but I realize now the, one of the, you know, things that maybe works in the military, but definitely doesn't work out here. So the military, everyone who's of a certain rank is expected to be a hundred percent in, for example, if you are a sergeant, staff sergeant, tech sergeant in the air force, you're expected to be a manager and you are going to have people report to you. And what I realized now more so on the technical and on the, on the outside in the civilian sector is there are some people I know, and I realized to my own, oh, I don't know if I'd say flaw, but my, even my misunderstanding and judgment from a more younger age, um, is I had worked with some people that were super smart, super like social or, or good to work with on my team, but they intentionally did not want to manage other people. Mm -hmm. They just didn't enjoy it, or they just didn't feel they would be good at it. And that was so weird to me because I was like, well, you're smart. Like this is a natural part of learning your job is to then take on people. But I guess I realized, well, no, I guess it doesn't have to be like, you can be a cloud architect and you can have experience of 20 something years or be leading in your field and not actually want to be a people manager. Whereas the military, like that is going to be something you do. And the more rank you have and the more years of experience, the farther away you may get from your actual, like what you're doing. Um, and I mean, that happens, right? Like the CISO is not sitting there just, just looking and try, tri uh, triaging, you know, alerts either. Hopefully not, right? So, so I'm not just saying that that's specific to the military, but what I'm trying to say is what I love and then we can embrace in the civilian sector is like what I can do, maybe no one else can, can do certain things about it. And that's my value add. But in the military, like, unfortunately, fortunately, right? The way you look at it, something might happen. I might get pulled off to another mission if I was in, or I something might happen to me that's not so fortunate. And someone has to be able to step in and do exactly what I did as well as I did. And so there's that uniformity. And mm -hmm. I think that that uniformity, for better or for worse, especially when people get out, does create an imposter syndrome for some people, because mm. there's also this thing where people get out and they, I've seen people get out and actually not do anything related to their career field. They might go into school, go to school, get their degree or certification and do something totally different. And it is very much like you're always compared to your peers in the military. So if you're, even if you're doing better than them, there's probably something you're not doing at all like them. And um, I, I totally think that it's, it's one of those two, it's very years of service, rank, your, your job or your AFSC if you're in the Air Force, your MOS if you're in the other, you know, military. Um, so it's just, it is very, I think it, it works and it's positive in the military. But I, I agree, there's certain things I don't think the military does or the civilian sector does really well to help transitioning vets understand like this different language. Yeah. So um, unfortunately, I think people learn it the hard way, but at the end of the day, I think if we can come together, um, I like helping 
transitioning vets. And it's something I, I try to do in my off time, just anything I know, because there are things you just can't Google. You know what I mean? Yeah. There are things you can't Google or might not make sense. So, sorry. That's so, long-winded. I, first of all, thank you for your service. Right. Um, I, I think that is always important to say because um, specific, you know, particularly after um, celebrating Memorial Day and everything like that, like so many have given so much. Um, and um, it's it's truly an honor that you continue to give back, um, particularly to veterans. Um, so let's talk a little bit about how you do that give back and what resources that you've seen be available because I know that I get asked all the time about people who are finishing up their service and looking to find new paths within um, the civilian world, which is totally different. So So, what what are your thoughts? So the first thing that definitely comes to mind is there's power in numbers. Um, And too often I see people kind of on their own and, you know, I think a lot of people in general are also afraid to reach out. So I know someone who actually happened to reach out to me, saw that we were at the same base, saw that we had common connections and is in cybersecurity. And he asked, he asked if we could take time. And that is definitely something that I would do any day in a heartbeat, right? Had maybe him or other people reach out to other people, they might not get a response, which is really sad. And so, you know, having, um, like one of the organizations I got that I feel like really directly contributed to my success was the Armed Forces Communications and Electronics Association. And it's this amazing network of government consulting, military, um, and and then uh, also private corporate consulting as well, and then some academia for cybersecurity and and really the STEM career field. Um, And you have the ability, one of the things they want to help is with people getting out of the military. So if you're getting out of the military, you might get a job in government consulting and they kind of try to give a a good streamline and help they do mentor related um, um, speed mentoring events, or, you know, you might meet someone there who was willing to mentor you, which is what happened to me. Um, Another thing I try to try to advocate and encourage people to do is always have more than one mentor. So when I was getting out, um, it wasn't really anything I read as a, as a plan. It was kind of just like, why not? I think at the time I got out in 2017, the, the big thing was get a mentor. And I was like, get, get like the whole, ju- you want your own justice league or, <laughs> you know, your own guardian, whatever superhero thing you want, your own, you know, guardians of the galaxy, whatever it is, get your own, get someone who's going to go fast, get someone who's going to have super strength. Um, and, and more so get someone who has the job you want, get someone who maybe had the job that you had, get someone that's kind of like a peer, like that's, ex- you know, like just multi-directional and, and also, you know, who has time. Um, one of my mentors was a hiring director um, at, a, at a government consulting. So he really helped me understand what I needed to do for my resume. And it sounds silly, but it, I totally made sense. And it wasn't something that any, he really drove the part where I needed to have results. How else could someone really understand how well I could do something. And that was like the hardest part for me. And I think a lot of people agree with that, especially coming out of the military where you don't need a resume or a, a CV. Um, so anyway, um, trying to find a professional network that has some military affiliation or awareness 
but also has, you know, I hate to say the real world, but, you know, corporate or government consulting or, or, or whatever it is, you know, I, I have to admit I'm married right to cyber, but if it's medical or if it's, um, you know, a different career field, I'm sure that there are organizations that exist. And LinkedIn is such a great tool um, for that as well. Um, the last thing I'll say is, you know, there's one that I'm really excited I got to work with in the past where they, they help vets who came out and went directly to a university to get their degree. And now you have veterans with mil military experience and a degree in a variety of fields, and they do an annual conference. And I'm like, everyone who wants to hire vets, like, why are we not jumping out that? By the way, it's also Disney, but um. There, and there's a lot of value to it. And I'm excited to hopefully get more people involved. It was something I got to be asked to be in at a previous organization. And it was probably one of the best parts of my career was helping other vets get hired because I love what I do. And I would just love to help other people find that after the military. Is there a name for that group? Because we can put all of the, we'll put AFCEA oh. and this into the show notes so that people can find it. Yeah, so it's Student Veterans of America um, and they have clubs at universities. And then they do an annual conference where um, I don't know if it's just the seniors, but or or members of these universities all over the country come. Um, they, I mean, it's great for so many reasons. Um, I got to go with about twenty other veterans from EY, and in itself, it was it was probably one of the first really like you or excuse me, veteran team building things I had done outside of the military, which I didn't even think was a thing, and it, I don't think it was even meant to be. Um, it didn't hurt that it was in Disney. <laughs> Did not hurt. Um, so, you know, we also had um, our own internal dinners. We got to connect and, and, you know, there's a there's a conference hall and some people are even doing interviews on the spot with various organizations. There's opportunities for vets who've, who've gotten out who are doing, you know, leading in, in certain fields to just have a to, to talk at the conference about whether things I wish I knew when I was transitioning or the value of hiring vets. Like there's so many, there's a variety, you know what I mean? So it's just something that's close to my heart and Hopefully, I will be encouraging more to get uh, participate in the future years. I know it's something I'm trying to help introduce to where I am now. So wonderful. Well, we'll definitely uh, help spread that message. Um, so the the unfortunately we're coming up already upon the end of the hour. At least you want to do you have one more question before we get to the uh, to the ultimate question. So, um, yes. So let's talk for just a moment about um, well-being. Um, that is something that we often bring up. Um, we know that these are very st stressful professions. How do you think about well-being within the profession? What do you do for yourself and or your team? So I will answer that about me first. And I love this question because I think that as much as we talk about self-care, and well-being and mental health. When people talk about their own, it's an uncomfortable conversation. And I, I feel that I'm strong enough to share. And hopefully if, if one other person can learn or take something away from this, like that it is worth it. Um, I have had a therapist for on and off parts of my life. Um, finding the right therapist is, is uh, not always the easiest, but I do have one now. And who's actually telling more of a life coach, it's kind of transitioned, which I knew know was a thing a few years ago. Um, and that has probably been my saving grace between the pandemic, some job changes, some personal matters. Um, that has been a, a consistent form of not only support, 
but also someone that has worked to gain my trust to help me realize, you know, a different perspective. And it's so easy to say, get a different perspective or get better or be better or have well-being um, or do self-care. But if people have never done that before, then how can you expect them to do that? Um, it sounds so silly and trivial, but it's so real. Um, and so that would be the first part is to encourage people to, to explore, even if they're not sure they need it. I'm definitely one who's in favor of, you know, if you do it for the physical side, it can't hurt. Um, so that's, that's one. So two, kind of more so my team or my network, um, I, I do share that about me. Um, and, you know, I'm not bragging. I, I'm trying to give more of a, of a just, you know, accountability is that I've had people come back and say that because I shared and not even like, a, hey, you should go to therapy more like, hey, guys, I just want you to know every Wednesday at this time, I have a meeting with my therapist. Um, you know, unless there's something big, like a client meeting, like right now I'm traveling for work. So I, I did move that. Um, uh, that's going to be a priority on my schedule. And it's one of those two that I'm, I'm able to communicate, right? It's reading the room, knowing who you're talking to, you know, but if, if someone's going through something, sometimes it's easier for me to be like, let me tell you about my story. And if you grab something from that, great. Instead of asking like, Hey, are you okay? What can I do? What, what can, you know, it's, I'll give you a, a quick example. Um, I had found out last year, I had a, a small health scare. Luckily it went away. Um, but at the time I did not know. And I told my direct supervisor and he of course was like, take time off. You know, we, we can manage the rest of the day. Like, and it was definitely one of those days where I was like, I just know I can't focus. I'm sorry. Like I'm not like, there are times when I know that I want to work through it. There are times when I'm like, I need to get, I need to go for a walk or something. And I realized as much as I appreciated him giving me that space. And I think people think that that's the right thing to do. What I think the best thing I've learned actually through my therapist is to say, well, what do you need? Do you need me to listen? Do you need a shoulder to cry on? Um, and, and I think being there for my team and being there for my network, I've also come to realize also friends and family being happy all the time. That's when it's easy to be there. Okay. Me at my best, everyone should love me. Not, you know, it's easy. I'm fun. Everyone who, when they're at their best, it's, it's great. Everyone at their best is great. That's not the world we live in. When I'm at my worst, I need, you know, my closest friends or maybe my mentors or my people I work with to really be like, okay, we're here for you. What can we do? Or we're going to get through this. You know, do you, what do you need? What can we do? And, and I realized like, yeah, if I'm working somewhere for years on end, you're probably going to see me at my worst at some point. And, and maybe it'll be bad. Like, you know, I missed something and that's not good, but we have to embrace that that might happen. And we have, if we, if we set up a culture of well-being, we're hopefully going to prevent that from happening instead of ignoring it and then putting it under the rug. Well, and layer so. on the fact that we're in an industry of very high pressure, very high stakes, mm -hmm. um, misaligned expectations that failure can't be an option or won't be an option versus reality where it absolutely will happen. Um, and yeah, so having that kind of transparency, having that kind of, of, of support uh, is really imp is, is so important in these fields. And that's one of the things that MentorCore is built around is this isn't like every other industry. There's different pressure. So I really appreciate you sharing that. Um, and uh, yeah, I, I, I hope that people can take away from that, uh, you know, the need for that kind of transparency. And I really like that, you know, what do you need right now versus I'm going to assume what you need. <laughs> 
no, I just think somewhere somewhere along the lines, it became like an industry standard to give people time off. Take the day off. <laughs> and I know there have been times in my life where I need a distraction or I, I need to work through it. And I know that I can. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think, you know, individualizing, I'm not sure that's a word, but really focusing and seeing someone for who they are, what they are, you know, for someone a breakup with her boyfriend or his, his girlfriend or whatever it is might not be a big deal for someone else that could be crushing. Um, you know, and so not, uh, I think I read recently something along the lines of like empathy, isn't seeing it through your eyes. It's seeing it through theirs. Through their and I know yeah. that I've even been tested a few times where a friend or so has been like, I'm going through something and I'm like, Oh, that's fine. Like everyone goes through that. And they're like, this is a big deal for me. And I'm like, you know what? That makes sense. Okay. Thank you. Like you called me out. You're right. This, this could be a big deal for someone. Um, so I think it's just really trying to, to give people space um, and, and freedom to be who they need to be. Um, and I think it gets, it's better when we give, you know, we're hearing all these things about mental health days or, you know, a really supportive team and not having a toxic culture and people, you have people stay in jobs they're happier. I think they're stronger, right? We know people stay for leaders, not for comp or bonuses and benefits. So, I mean, it's, it's there. Um, it just seems like people just don't know how to, or we're so locked into how we've been. Very, very, very true. Um, at the risk of trying to top those pieces of great advice, I'm going to ask you our last question, which we ask everybody that comes through about the best advice you've ever gotten from a mentor. Uh, and I said, it's going to be hard to top those last pieces of advice you just gave. You know, there's one piece of advice that sticks out and it's so different from what we've been talking about, but I think it'll resonate in a different way. And, it, and it's funny because I think when people talk about advice, they think about like me saying like, Hey, hi mentor, this is my situation. What is your advice? And it wasn't that at all. Most advice I've received hasn't been, um, I don't know if that is for other people, but I, I do feel like that's the norm. For me, it was, I was in the Air Force. Um, I was getting close to finishing my associates. I kind of knew I was going to get out of the military. I kind of was debating if I was going to stay in cyber or not. And I was like, well, what am I going to, you know, just talking like, what should I do for my degree? How should I do it? And someone who I do still speak to told me that she had, was in a similar spot to me in the Air Force where she was in Intel she got her bachelor's in Intel. She got her master's in Intel. And she was basically working on her doctorate in Intel. And that she feels like she had, had wished she'd been a little bit more, had a little bit more variety, uh, a little bit more, you know, related, not like going for a doctorate or, or excuse me, her, you know, becoming a doctor and then switching and becoming like an, an architect. But um, for some reason that really, I think, I don't think I realized at the time, but it changed uh, so many things for me. Um, and I know that for me, I wanted to get my bachelor's in cybersecurity, which I finished last year. Um, I know in cybersecurity as well, like I haven't just stayed married. So I started in Intel and even though I thought it was great and I think it's valuable, I, I know when I got to EY, I said, I want to try other things. I want to see what else is in cyber. I want to understand firsthand. Um, and when I look at doing my master's, I considered everything from cyber policy and cyber law or information systems, you know, trying to get a different perspective, a different understanding, but also still move forward in cybersecurity. So um, that has been in a way, some of the best advice that I've ever received, just because it gave me this freedom. Whereas I think everything up until that point, 
between growing up and, and saying, go to college, get a degree, um, and, and the Air Force saying, like, here's your job, and potentially advance and retire in it. Everywhere I see, it's like, pick, pick, your, pick your thing and stick in it. And I, I kind of have enjoyed and realized I, at least for me, want to be a little bit more variety, uh, spice of life, well-rounded. That's terrific advice. And unfortunately, we have reached the end of our time. Thank you so much for joining us. Um, We'll put a lot of this information into the show notes. You can find future episodes at mentorcore.biz. Join us in our Slack channel. And Ryan, thank you, thank you, thank you for being with us today. My pleasure. Um, Thank you guys so much. And um, hopefully we will meet soon.